The scripture reading this morning comes from 2 Corinthians 5, 6 through 17. So we are always confident, even though we know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we do have confidence, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please the Lord. For all of us must appear before judgment seat of Christ so that each may receive recompense for what has been done in the body, whether good or evil. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we try to persuade others, but we ourselves are well known to God. And I hope that we are also well known to your consciences. We are not condemning our, commending ourselves to you again, but giving you an opportunity to boast about us so that you may be able to answer those who boast in outward appearance and not in the heart. For with we are beside ourselves, it is for God. And if we are in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ urges us on because we are convinced that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he who died for all so that those who live might live no longer for themselves, but for him who died and was raised for them. From now on, therefore, we regard no one from a human point of view. Even though we once knew Christ from a human point of view, we know him no longer in that way. So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. The word of God for the people of God. Let us bow. Let the meditation of our hearts, the words of my mouth, be acceptable unto thee, O Lord. Anoint our ears. Anoint our hands. Anoint our feet so that your word may live in us as we go out into the world. Amen. Have you ever had an encounter with someone who you've known for ages, maybe since they were a child, but the person is recently married and this new status in life, something about getting that ring on the finger, has caused the person to put on airs? Have you, have you had that experience? Or maybe the person acts as though you didn't know them when they were single praying for the Lord to bless them with someone to love. Maybe you have bumped into an old acquaintance who has inherited a sizable amount of funds. And when you greet that person, you get the impression that you are meeting them for the first time. <laughs> or here's an example for those who have or know or work with children. Now you are patient with the child, teaching the child how to behave, how to treat others, be mannerable and respectful, yes and thank you and please. Or maybe you've witnessed this, maybe you don't have children of your own, but you've seen the diligence that parents have when it comes to teaching their little people. But something about being in public, that child in public acts as though they've never been outside the house before 
as though you didn't just tell the child, when we go into this store, you're not to ask me for anything. Or when we go in here, I don't want you running around. No, that child will look at you as though you've never said not a single word to him. They feign this ignorance, right? Like you didn't have a relationship. Like you didn't have an agreed upon behavior, a code of conduct when out in public. For this, moment, for this morning's sermon, I'm going to flip the saying of don't act new to do act new. And in case you didn't catch it, the don't act new is when someone looks at you as though they have no idea what you're talking about. And so your response may be, don't act new. <laughs> so, of course, there's a biblical twist to this understanding of the do act new. This is 2 Corinthians. Maybe we don't know much about the Corinthians, so let's go. The Corinthians were in this area that was a great spot for trade. So it had people coming and going from all over the world. And they prided themselves on being this multicultural metropolitan area. And so they were oriented in service and trade. Now, Paul is writing to them because they have so many issues with how do they live their faith and yet be a part of this culture. Because who wants to live a faith and not be fun? Who wants to be boring? Yes, they want to be Christian, they want to follow God, but they still want a nightlife. They still want to hang out. Some scholars believe that a lot of their problems, a lot of the Corinthians' problems were because they could not find the balance, if there is one, between serving the Lord and having fun. So their attitudes and their behavior were shaped by this kind of, I guess, dichotomous nature, right? Serve the Lord or be fun. Now, there was also during this time a social construct that valued honor and esteem above all else. Oh, we don't understand that, right? We, we have no idea what that means. To value gaining and having glory and having success and having a sh social status and being seen as successful, I can't say that enough, but being seen as someone who has it all together. Not just you having it all together, but your spouse having it all together. And by extension, your children having it all together. Make sense? Because that doesn't happen. So I know I have to explain how the Corinthians could think this way. Like, what was, what was their deal, right? But there was this self-promotion, one-upping the next individual. Oh, you have a new shipping boat, I see. Well, does your shipping boat come with eight oars? How many, 
how many homes do you have? I have a vineyard. I have one with a vineyard, and then I have another one that's in Rome, and then I have another one if I'm feeling kind of, I don't know, adventurous in Egypt. So there are all these ways that the Corinthians were being distracted from worshiping the Lord. And Paul was in the thick of this. Paul is the writer or believed to be the writer of Corinthians, Second Corinthians. There's not much debate on that. But Paul is in this. So what do we know about Paul? Just think about it. You don't have to yell it out. For one, Paul is or was a Roman citizen. So that gave Paul an access that just being part of the community, the part of the colonization of Rome didn't afford an individual. So let's see, how can I bring that to today's terms? There's a nation, maybe a few nations, that goes about claiming areas of, of the world. Maybe they got there first in their minds, or maybe they see something that they like, and so they claim it for themselves. Now, this nation offers protection to the nation that they are now bringing under their empire for safe travel, for goods, for medication, for diplomacy, things of that nature. So the fact that Paul had a Roman citizenship placed him above maybe one of the colonies where it was just, you're being occupied. But I know this is so far, so long ago, we don't have any modern day equivalent of such. It's difficult, I know, I had, to, I had to bring it down. All right, so not only was he a Roman citizen, he was a citizen of Tarsus. And what this meant was Paul had education. Paul was well-traveled. It allowed, again, remember he's a Roman citizen, Tarsus, so he could move about the land safely, just show his passport, and he had access to areas that might be dangerous for some, but for Paul, it's, I'm good. I'm a Roman citizen. Let me through. And then here's a big thing, though. Paul was Jewish. So what Paul perceives as being the way to act or how to worship the Lord is viewed through the lens of him being Jewish. But here we go. It's also through the lens of what? Him being a Roman citizen. So Paul seemed to be the perfect candidate to go out into unto the Gentiles. There's another thing, though, that we have to know about Paul before we go into the main crux of this, of this text here, what I will focus on, and that's Paul had a huge conversion. Paul is on the road to Damascus, and he gets knocked off his, we'll say high horse, and he sees the Lord. Now, this is after Christ was already crucified and resurrected. So unlike the other stories in, in the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which serve more or less as a retelling of 
historical events, Paul's experience is much more akin to our experiences, where we've been hearing about this Jesus. We've been hearing about the Lord, and maybe we've had a come to Jesus moment. And so Paul, who was Saul at the time, actually goes from persecuting Christians, unabashedly so, killing Christians because, because he thought that this new thing, this Jesus, this following Christ, was actually hypocrisy. And that those who followed and those who worshiped Jesus weren't doing it correctly. And one more other point I, want, I don't want to forget, though. Paul was trained as a Pharisee. And we, in the text we see, well, not this text, but in the Bible we see Pharisees oftentimes going head to head with Jesus because they wanted to make sure that people were practicing correctly. They wanted to make sure that people weren't errant in the way that they worshiped. And so while Saul might have been diligent and he might have been fervent and he might have had very honest aims to keep the religion pure, he was going against what God wanted. And so when Paul is writing to the Corinthians, it isn't from ignorance. It's not that he doesn't know what's going on. It's not that he hasn't been on the other side of right. It's not that he's not familiar with the culture. It's not that he doesn't even have a relationship with God. But when he writes to the Corinthians, he's writing to them because he understands what it is that they are going through. That this new journey, that we're asked to lay down our former selves, that we're asked to be new, is difficult. And that people are not going to treat us the same. And that is hard. I don't know for some of you, were you told that when you were going to follow Christ, that it was going to be easy? Somebody tell you that? That it was going to be easy? I see some shaking of heads. That's good. <laughs> I'm glad somebody told you it was not going to be easy. And it's not easy, not so much because God doesn't walk with us along the way. It's not easy because our eyes are open to how wrong we've been in the past. And it's not because we haven't been zealous. It's not because we weren't quote unquote good people. It's not because we didn't love. It's not because we didn't share. It's not because we didn't give. It's not because we didn't go out of our way to make sure people felt welcome. But it's because we become more and more aware of just how much evil does exist. And then on top of that, how much we have contributed to it. And that's the hard part right there. It's not like there was evil there was bad over there with those people in that household. But there was evil that was inhabiting within us, around us, next to us. And that is hard to face. That's the hard part about being a Christian. It's like red pill, blue pill. Which one do you want? Oh, for those that don't understand the reference matrix, Hughes matrix. Red pill, blue pill, which one do you want? I don't want to give away too much. However, when you take one, you completely forget 
You can stay in ignorance. You can stay pacified, mollified, all of that stuff. Just stay. And then the other pill, I won't tell you which one, opens your eyes. And you see all the horrors. And the thing is, you can't turn back. Once you say yes, you can't unsay it. You cannot unsee it. It's there. And so there's like, what do you do with all this? I'm going to tell you, because I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> all right, so going back to verse 12, I'm going to back up a little bit and then go forward, because I want to get to the, what do you do with this? So what? Who cares, right? So verse 12, we are commending ourselves to you again. This is Paul talking to the Corinthians. There are others who are saying that they have the gospel, but they are polluting it. It's becoming more and more about them, more and more about how great they are, more and more about their rhetoric, and less and less about the gospel. Less and less about Jesus, the one who supposedly sent them out into the world. So what Paul is seeking to get the Corinthians to do is to not act new. To not act as though they haven't heard the gospel. To not act as though Paul hasn't told them about this Jesus. So Paul's like, I know, I know in the culture boasting is huge. You know, we boast about things that we have. And, you know, we're, we're proud of ourselves. We worked really hard for it. You have an MBA, you have a PhD, you're like, I have an MBA, I have a PhD. And then you keep going on about it. Like every time I meet you, I hear about how you have an MBA and a PhD. Or how your kids are doing so great. And then you bring out the phone. <laughs> and now I gotta look at all the pictures. <laughs> about how, oh, and there's video too? Oh, awesome. It comes with sound, oh. But we boast, right? Because what starts as being, you know, I, I praise the Lord for how great God has been to me to hashtag blessed. Hashtag winning. And so what Paul is saying, if you're going to boast, boast about the Lord. Boast about the work that you see the Lord doing in us. Paul's like, I'm not going to boast on my behalf. But what we need you to do is when you hear others saying less than about us, make sure you kind of like step up. Don't act new. Don't act like we haven't been there for you. Don't act like we aren't preaching the gospel. Because Paul says Christ's love is what constricts us and the constricting is, is what binds us what's what keeps us on this path so it's not us but if you must boast boast about this that Christ died for everyone so that all who died may now live these contradictions dead to sin living for the Lord so I'll give you something to boast about. And so then we get to the big part. This is my favorite part. Verse 16. From now on, therefore, we regard no one from a human point of view. So this is the new, the newness. Do act new. Because when we, 
it's a tendency of ours, I know. How do I know? Because I've done it. It's a tendency of ours to make assessments. I'm not going to say judge, right? Because, you know, we don't judge. But to make assessments, to discern, to make evaluations on who a person is based upon what we've seen that person do or not do. Oh, I wouldn't do that. I, couldn't, I can't believe she did that. If that were my child, you know. Her spouse did what? And they're still together? They got a divorce. They couldn't make it work. Someone didn't try hard enough. They have mental concerns. They need to just pray. They have no faith. So we regard people, I'll use that biblical term, we regard people with this human view that says you can be better and you should be better and the rubric we're using is ourselves. I can do it. Why can't you? I've achieved. Why haven't you? I have access. Access. Why don't you? We've made it. Why haven't you? I can do it. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Why do you seem to be lacking? Why don't you have the same necessities available to you that I have? We say we serve the same God. Hashtag blessed, question mark. So we don't regard people that way. So then how do we regard them? We regard them with the love that Christ has for us, that Christ has for them. That says regardless of what you're going through, regardless of what you've been through, regardless of where you were, regardless of how your children are acting, regardless of what your spouse isn't doing, regardless of where you live, I still love you and I will walk with you through this situation. That's the newness. That's the acting new. For Paul, it's in the text, in the original Greek. Uh, when translated, it is, there is a new creation. But I love this. I had a professor in class once. She did a demonstration. She said that in the text, there's no verb. For Paul, he's like, in Christ, new creation. Just automatic. New creation. Because that's what it is. And it's not a full transformation because we think, why do I still have these thoughts? Why is this still happening to me? When will I ever get over this hurdle? Why do we still keep having this discussion? Because we're not fully complete yet and that's okay that's okay because the newness is beginning the newness is happening we are a new creation we don't all the way think like we used to think you don't think like you used to think just last year uh-oh 
2020 happened, after coming out of 2019, you're like, yay, 2020, rolling 20s, let the fun begin, and then March happened. And so what we thought was going to be wasn't. It changed the way we had to act. What we thought we could not live without, we started to reevaluate. Or maybe what we thought we could live without. Don't let introverts lie to you. <laughs> introverts need people too. But new creation, newness in the Lord. So what do we do with this, right? Said all that to say, going back to Paul, when the Lord called Paul, who was Saul at the time, Saul hadn't changed. Saul was still Saul. God didn't say, Saul, when you do this, this, get this together, stop killing Christians. We need you to do that. When you start doing all these things, then you can come and follow me. No. Saul's change happened when Saul met the Lord. That was Saul's point of change. And then get this. God used the same fervor, fervor, the same zealousness that Paul had against the Christians for the Lord. Did, did you ever catch that? That Paul didn't have to stop being Paul. God said, you know what? I like, I like the energy. That's, that's good. I need you to look over here, though. I want you to put the focus here. And that's what God does in our lives. God doesn't say, new creature, magically, boom. God's like, you've been doing great over here, but I want you to come over here now. I liked what you did before for the world, and now I want you to do it for me. And that's what it means to act new. Amen.